This episode of Motley Fool Answers is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For $10 off your first air purifier, visit molecule.com and enter the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. Also, thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Motley Fool Answers. LinkedIn Jobs uses knowledge of both hard and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role the best. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at The Motley Fool. Hey, bro. Well, hello, Allison. In this week's episode, we're joined by the latest crop of Motley Fool analysts, our most recent graduates of the Investor Development Program. They're going to share their foolish investing principles and pitch us some stocks. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. So, bro, what's up? Absolutely nothing. Thank you very much. Hey, <laughs> let's move on with the show then. Oh. <laughs> Somebody didn't do his homework. <laughs> that's oh, okay. You work hard. Thanks. Thanks. And everybody. that's what's up. <laughs> that's what's up. So, bro, we have a number of. A very special guest in the studio today. You are giving me the cheesiest of cheesy <laughs> smiles right now. Um, just to distract you. Just because you're so excited. So we have <laughs> the not-so-recent graduates, but most recent graduates of our IDP, I guess it's, wait. Program. I was going to say IDP program, but isn't it Investor Development Program Program? Yeah, is what I would have yeah. ended up accidentally <laughs> our saying. Our IDP. Our IDP. Ugh, that's that's. But anyway, we have a thing. It's called the Investor <laughs> Development Program, where we bring on. Uh, well, actually, I'll ask you guys what it was. But first, let's go around the table. We have Tom King, Ari Hughes, T.J. Pickett. Did I say that right? You got it. It's that like Peugeot or Peugeot. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not French, <laughs> but a lot of people think that. So <laughs> and then and Maria Gallagher. And so welcome you guys. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. All right, let's. That sounds Jake. good. Yeah, this is a record. Most people we've had on answers. Let's see how this goes. Is it at one time? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like when we did the pumpkin spice challenge, we yeah. had a lot of people in here. Perhaps. And that was hard-hitting investing stuff. <laughs> and so let's see if we can live up to that. Um, all right, let's start with you, Tom. Uh, how did you? Where are you from? How did you find out about the Motley Fool? Uh, so I'm from South Africa, and um, I came here in July 2018, and um, the Motley Fool was hiring. Um, and that's how I found out about it. And Were you reading yeah. about the Motley Fool in South Africa? I had heard of the Motley Fool, but um, I didn't know it well. Got it. Yeah. And what was your background like? What what did you want to be when you grew up? When you I came was out here? I was a um, environmental scientist in South Africa. I wasn't doing yeah. I wasn't an analyst. And then you're like, I'm just going to move to America, <laughs> and I'm going to become a stock analyst. Yeah. Well, I um, I wrote some exams before I'd, I made that move, which was probably wise. Um, and then yeah, I, I after I finished the exams, I was like, now I think I'm ready to go. Yeah, and I just came. Just to be clear, wrote some exams is the way that you all say you took your exams and passed them, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Correct. Got it. You were not a test creator. <laughs> all right. Let's go next to Ari Hughes. Ari, where are you from? How did you find out about the Motley Fool? How's it going? Uh, I'm from Northern Virginia, and I found out about the Motley Fool in college. I used to read the articles, and then um, within the last couple of years, I really wanted to transition into stock research. Um, so I was like, you know, kind of. 
getting on the market and like kind of looking for jobs and I came across the Molly Fool and yeah, applied and here I am. All right, and then TJ, how about you? So let's see here. I've been at The Fool now uh, for almost five years now. So I found you guys because I was looking to transition from doing uh, financial planning to more of the uh, investment analysis. So um, before I came upstairs, I was managing the trading desk for the Motley Fool Wealth Management. All right, and Maria? I found about The Motley Fool when I was applying to jobs in my senior year of college, and I started here as an intern last summer, and then I worked out in the asset management department doing marketing and shareholder experience for six months, eight months, and then I came up here for IDP. So, um, I'm not sure who wants to tackle this question, but which one of you would like to tell me a little bit about what IDP was like? What was that experience like for you? Uh, it was about um, six months. Uh, basically, we had classes of about three hours of classes a week, and then in between those classes, we had various assignments and projects we were working on. So, um, I mean, it was the pace was reasonably brisk, but it was not overwhelming. So, it was it was very pleasant. Yeah. And then now, what services do you um, do? All of you work on because that was the, the the idea is to educate people in foolish investing, and then kind of send them off to work on different services that we provide. So, which we can go around the table here. Which ones do you work on? So, I'm working on uh, the discovery services right now. I'm working on marijuana masters. Uh, extreme opportunities. Working on stock advisor and rule breakers. And we're also, we're now doing a rotational program, kind of like we're doctors. So we have a year and we'll each do all of these programs one one at a time. So we have another until this June. We'll all be doing different rotations of analysis. Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys enjoying it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's I, interesting. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think it, uh, it kind of forces, uh, I was a very conservative investor, um, and I think the rotation puts you in programs or kind of forces you to look at stocks you may not have originally looked at on your own, so I think it's great exposure. Yeah, is that hard to think about investing in marijuana stocks <laughs> when you're a conservative investor? Uh, it's, it's an adjustment. Yeah. It's an adjustment. A lot of research and due diligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Alright, well we brought you on here to each pitch a stock to our listeners. Um, I haven't decided yet if I'm going to let our listeners vote on which stock they are most interested at. I don't know. Does that seem fair or not fair? Yes. Just to up the competition? Yeah, You're why up not? For it? They'd love it. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, know that you are being judged. And this basically <laughs> yes. is like writing an exam. Is that, that's not how you would use that in this case. Is that it? Writing an exam? Yeah, that's how you'd say. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So each of you has come with a stock that you would like to talk about, why you like it, and then also highlight a foolish investing principle. Um, obviously, you can tackle more than one if you want, but I think each of you, at least one, uh, we're going to also talk a bit about at least one foolish investing principle that you've learned at IDP. Uh, do we? I don't know how we want to decide who goes first. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger by a toe. If he hollers, let him go. My mother told me to pick the, the very ball. best one, and you are it. <laughs> well, I just okay. you like I saw that coming. All right, Ari. Okay, so um, to kind of introduce the stock I'm going to talk about, I tend to gravitate towards um, companies that I believe have one of the major competitive advantages, or multiple of them. Those being network effects, switching costs intangible assets or cost advantages. Uh, so the company I'm going to talk about today is Etsy, which I believe has tremendous network effects within its niche. Um, so what Etsy is, is it's essentially a global marketplace for unique and creative goods 
think your local arts and crafts festival, but online and with global scale. And what this does is it connects creative entrepreneurs with consumers looking for items intended to be special. So most of these items you cannot find on Amazon or anywhere else for that matter. So we see kind of protection from Amazon there. And these categories of items that are for sale are homeware, home furnishings, jewelry, personal accessories, apparel, craft supplies, paper party supplies, beauty and personal care. So this anything these entrepreneurs just want to create. And then as of June 30th, 2019, Etsy had 42 million active buyers and 2 million active sellers on the platform. So we see this platform just growing more valuable and more valuable as more users come to it. And it's the premier place for um, those homemade goods. And it's also survived a direct threat from Amazon Handmade, which was directly made to compete with Etsy. And um, Etsy was still able to thrive um, after Amazon launched this and still grow revenues. So how does Etsy make money? Well, they have what's called a seller line business model. So essentially, Etsy makes money when its sellers make money. And you're looking, the seller's looking at a 20 cent listing fee and then 5% of the uh, transaction fee. So that's what you'd call your take rate. So if I'm a seller and I sell an item on Etsy, Etsy takes 5% of the um of the value of that item so they also provide tools for their sellers to make the platform more valuable so they have promoted listings so your store appears higher on search lists and then they also also offer discounted shipping labels with usps fedex so you can get your packages out to your customers on time so market opportunity um the market for special goods in its six core geographies is estimated to be $100 billion. And if we compare that to Etsy's revenues today, or not Etsy's revenues, but gross merchandise sales, it's $3.9 billion. So we only see 3.9% market share. So we see a lot of upside to grow revenues still within the future. Um, if we look at the financials as of June 30th, 2019, um, we recently see 40% year-over-year revenue growth, 69% gross margin. So this is a very profitable business, and they've increased free cash flow over 100% over the last year. And then it's a very clean balance sheet. So we have over $250 million of net cash on the balance sheet. So this business is very safe. Um, it has a lot of the um, – it's small, growing, very profitable which we don't see in some smaller businesses. This is one of my highest conviction ideas. Thank you. That's adorable that you just said thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, um, I use Etsy to buy lots of lots of things, but I think I've never invested in it, largely because it's not, it's, it doesn't, it's not the same as Amazon in my mind, where I'm like, oh, I need this daily thing. I'm going to go to Amazon. Etsy's where I go when I need to buy a present for someone or something very specific. Like, So the other day, I wanted to find a Baby Shark Nationals t-shirt, right? <laughs> There's got to be someone out there who's like, I got to jump on this trend and make a Baby Shark mashup with the Nationals because of... I, I assume, do you get, well, our listeners maybe don't know, but it's a whole Nationals thing. And we're going to the World Series! Woo! It's amazing! Yes, um, very exciting. And and I was and that's something that I would go to Etsy for because it would be like crafted by someone who really is a fan of the Nationals and gets it and but they didn't have anything yet. 
Oh, so I'm still that's bummed. unfortunate. Hey, big, big case. That sounds like a business too. opportunity, Allison. <laughs> I know. We need to make some Baby Shark Nationals shirts yeah. now. You could, you could be a seller on Etsy. That's true. Oh, I could. It's very easy I just to do. got customized mugs on Etsy. They're great. My Etsy's friend great, and her yeah. boyfriend moved in together, and they like the TV show Friends, so <laughs> I got them a mug that says the one where Alyssa and Patrick move in together, like the title Aww. of the Friends. They both loved it. It was an A-plus yes. gift. Right? It's great. It was gifts. really well received. <laughs> and man, no, that's an item you'd never find on Amazon. No, yeah, no, it's so great. And so I think, though, my why I've never, even though I love Etsy and I bought tons of things off of it, um, I guess it just doesn't seem as necessary. And I worry that when um, the economy goes south... Someday it will, I know, but someday it'll also come back. Not with cheap um, money. Right. Tons of cheap money out there. <laughs> no, no, TJ's our doom, our doomsday guy on the show. Um, that uh, that Etsy will also take a bigger hit than other retailers because it's something that's like it's not a luxury. It's not a luxury, but it's a, a website of nice to haves. Does that make right, sense? Right. Um, so I think that's where I struggle with investing in Etsy. But do you do? Does anyone else have any thoughts on investing in Etsy? Uh, I'll just say I feel the same way. I mean, I'm a very seasonal shopper on Etsy. Uh, as we've talked about in the show, my daughter has sold stuff on Etsy, and actually, it is very easy to do. And, but it was it was luxury item slime. So you know, when, <laughs> when, the, when the economy turns down, I think the slime uh, market will take a hit. Yeah. yeah, but I love but I love Etsy as a consumer, and so I guess I need to probably look into them a little bit more and think more long term, perhaps. Yeah, and I think that's something they're working on is kind of that reoccurring element because usually people go only on those special occasions, so maybe that results in one purchase per year. Um, and I think that's something they're aiming to address, but I definitely see that concern. So yeah. how do we convince people that they need customizable cactuses on a regular <laughs> basis? Well, think about how many, how often there are new holidays, too, because it's almost Halloween, and then it's almost Thanksgiving, and then it's almost Christmas, and then there's somebody's birthday and somebody's bridal shower and somebody's something. True so there are story. consistent gift-giving <laughs> opportunities if you look for them. And also, when you're thinking about the downturn... Um, I mean, you can get a wedding dress on Etsy, and wedding dresses from Kleinfeld, which is where I say yes to the dresses, those are much more expensive. So there are opportunities within Etsy where Etsy is actually cheaper than other higher-scale things, but also still has that special thing. So if you are doing a wedding on a budget or a baby shower on a budget, um, Etsy might actually be a cheaper option for you than some of your other potential stores that you could go to. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That was great. All right. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what what investing lesson uh, specifically around Etsy? Maybe talk a little bit more around. So when I look at Etsy, the foolish investing principle that really stands out to me is. So maybe not so much in Etsy, but one of my kind of principles that I did take away from IDP is kind of that um, management alignment. Uh, so one of the things I look for now that I wasn't doing prior to starting at the Fool is a high inside ownership. So looking to see if the executive owns a large stake in the company. So essentially he's going to be incentivized for the company to perform. He does well, you do well. Just kind of that alignment there and making sure his incentives are aligned with investors. That's a big takeaway for me for IDP. And I think that's important to the full one of our guiding principles. Thanks to Molecule for supporting Mollyful Answers. 
pollen may get the blame for seasonal allergies, but it's actually tiny proteins that break off from it that are truly responsible. I bet you didn't know that, bro. I did not. They are also the ones that can pass right through your traditional HEPA air purifiers. But molecules break through PECO technology, or maybe they call it PECO technology, destroys these tiny particles, leaving behind clean air. Molecules technology has been verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people, including a ton of allergy and asthma sufferers working right here at The Motley Fool. Getting your chance with The Molecule is... Is a joy for everyone here at the Molecule. It's the hot thing. There was a while there where, like, every week it was like, "Hey, who's got the Molecule this week? Do you have it? Have you seen it?" No, I gave it to Shannon. Oh, I don't know. But Shannon, Shannon doesn't know where it is. She gave it to someone else. It was that popular. No matter the size of your room, you can choose the option that's best for your space, whether that be the Molecule Air for large rooms or the Molecule Air Mini for smaller rooms. That's new. Not only has Molecule been effective for a bunch of people here at The Fool, it also looks really cool. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and enter the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and promo code FOOL10. We don't need TJ, you ready to go? What's your stock? You know, so you mentioned the Nationals, right? So, I mean, uh, big shout out to Washington Nationals for winning the NLCS, and best of luck to them during the World Series. Do you mean um, that? I do. Okay, because you're saying that as if you don't really mean that. <laughs> you know, he's an understated guy. Yeah, Are okay. you a Nationals fan? <laughs> I am. I am. Okay. So, I'm from Michigan originally. I kept most of my teams with the exception of baseball. I, mean, I kind of split the difference, but... I can't get on the Redskins train because their management and their ownership is not great. And how do you give up the Red Wings for the Caps? Yeah, Caps got one Stanley Cup, but the Red Wings have, like, multiple. So, you know, it is what it is. Would you buy your son a Baby Shark Nationals jersey from Allison? Of course I would. Oh, you know, as a matter of fact. You have another customer. <laughs> yeah, you got purchase number one right here. Right? Number two. Yeah, I'll do right. it. You, oh, you get matching ones. It could be Daddy Shark and Baby mm-hmm. Shark. And then it would be nationals somehow. And then we could sing the song and drive my wife nuts. She'll go crazy. <laughs> well, she gets a mommy shark shirt. It's great for the whole family. And Halloween's coming up too, so you know it, it, you could recycle it. Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to figure out how to make t-shirts fast. Um, okay. So yeah, we got we got the World Series getting ramped up. Football's in full effect. Hockey, basketball, every everybody's out there. So I mean. You know, what pairs well with sports and a cold one? Cold one can be a beer, soda, kombucha. I'm not going to judge. Whatever you want. But you know what goes well with that? Wings. All right. So the company I like a lot is called Wingstop, ticker is W-I-N-G. They have a market cap around uh, $2.6 But they're not cheap, all right? So I just want to preface that right now. So all you value investors out there, just... Shut me up for the next like three to five minutes. And just, like, just tap oh, thirty wow. seconds forward. Yeah, a few just times. tap forward, yeah. okay? Because uh, uh, on a trailing uh, PE multiple around one hundred thirty-one times. Yikes! Yeah, and then on a forward basis, one twelve. So they're getting there, right? <laughs> uh, it's a lot better. It's a lot better. So obviously, like they, like I said, they specialize in wings, and um, they have a great vision of being a top uh, ten global uh, restaurant brand. So as of mid-year, they have around 1,200 stores globally in 10 markets, so they're still really small. Their long-term goal is to have 3,000 domestic and 3,000 international, so a good runway for growth for the, these guys. Uh, unit sales have grown at 15% compound annual growth rate since uh, 2013, so pretty respectable numbers there. Uh, what's really also great is the fact 
in the past 15 years, they've had consecutive same-store same sales growth. So no slowdown at all for the past 15 years. So I think that's part of the reason why they trade at a high premium, because people are bidding them up because they believe in the franchise growth here. Um, I said franchise, but also it's a franchise business. So low CapEx, they get nice um, nice uh, revenue take from those stores. So it's beautiful in that regard. Uh, they do pay a baby dividend while you wait, so around a half percent uh, on an annual basis. So not terrible, but not great in this environment. Um, they are building brand awareness by a national TV advertisement, so they're really ramping that up. Um, they've increased the, their, I guess, the contribution to that pool. Uh, roughly um, 50, um, it went from 3 to 4% for this year, and they foresee that to continue to, um, as they try to like, roll out the stores. Uh, focus big on digitizing all the customer experience via their new mobile app, which is actually translated into about 5% higher average check size which if you do that over multiple sales, that's a pretty significant ad. Um, in addition to that, they're trying to improve their margins by having ordering kiosks similar to what Panera has. Anybody use Panera? So they're doing that. Uh, they're doing delivery-only locations. Think of ghost kitchens. So they're really cutting down on the, the cost of uh, labor uh, and benefits there. And also doing pickup bins, just trying to, trying to drive the um, margin expansion. Uh, delivery is a big part of the story too. So delivery rollout just this year, they've partnered up with DoorDash. So they're getting new exposure to new customers that they never experienced Wingstop. So of the um, um, delivery orders, eight out of 10 are new customers that have never had Wingstop. So uh, a nice driver there as well. And based on um, their forecasted uh, goal, roughly about 80% of stores will have delivery by the end of 2019. So I like where they're going. I like um, the growth there. And yeah. That's it. What do you think of their wings? They're delicious. <laughs> Are they're, they? They're really good. You know, for for a takeout, you know, and everything like everything is trending more to the fast casual. Like people are eating out less and like taking stuff home, so they're really playing on that. So their footprint is really small. Like there's, I think it's like roughly around two thousand square feet max. So you can eat there, but generally speaking, most people do takeout. And now delivery, you compound that. Plus, they're also working on fortress in their uh, markets, so they get as fast a delivery time as possible. So, yeah. I've never heard of this company. Have you got, I, am I the only one? I haven't either. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. Um, it's, fun, it's funny to me because I, like, I I'm not really big on wings. So, the idea of like, wings, we got wings. <laughs> and for some people, it just might make their heart just just pitter patter and they're so excited. I mean, I like banchan. I'll eat a lot of banchan. Banchan That's is, banchan delicious. is There's delicious. There's one opening up by my house. I'm so excited. Are you like South Route 1 down that way? In Alexandria? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just waiting. That's going to be so good. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Ari's camped out outside. Like, <laughs> until, like the iPhone 11. He's just sitting there waiting for banchan. <laughs> right. So, I feel like, I, so it's funny how like you're talking to me about wings at Wingstop and I'm like, I guess. Okay, investing in a wings company, but I've never had their wings. And whereas if it's like, oh, yeah, I think we should invest in Bonchon, I'm like, here, take my money. <laughs> I would like to invest all of my money in Bonchon. So um, it's just funny the idea of like, if you try something and it's like, oh, I love this, then you really want to see more of it. You want more locations. You want a location right at your house and you really want to see it grow. Um, what about opportunities beyond wings? Like, is this something that you're like, they need to figure out how, what to offer more than wings? Or it's like, no, you know what? They can go and become a bajillion dollar company and just serve wings. You know, they've kind of addressed that in the past. And they, they said, look, we want to do something really, really well. Like, we're trying to be, this is our niche. Like, this is where we want to dominate. And they're doing a really good job on it. So I, I don't see them really branching out. If anything, they might offer different varieties of wings or 
different kind of specials with like the wings. Like for example, now they have the recent uh, special they had instead of having just the wing or the the drum, it was actually the whole wings. That was their kind of like new idea. But I mean. <laughs> And, and and feathers and all, <laughs> no feathers. Sands the feathers, but also they roll out with like specialty sauces, like that are limited time only. So like they they try to play to that. Um, they do also do fries and like small sides and stuff like that. But we're not really. I mean, they're just a wing company. Yeah, it's uh, just that's you know Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, they branched out, but also they you know, yeah. It's wings. It's wings. It's, it's, wings. Wings. it's wings. It's what it's people just, want. It's what people want. It's maybe not what they need, but it's what they want. Yeah, everything in moderation. Everything you know? in moderation. Yeah, absolutely. There's room for wings. Uh, and what is your foolish investing principle that you wanted to highlight today? You know, I think it's one that's just important, especially when we get to the top of the market and things might get a little dicey, is the fact that uh, we're long-term investors here at The Fool, and to just make sure that you keep and I am what your plan is, why you did what you've done already, and don't let the markets gyrate your long-term goals. Awesome. All right, Maria, are you ready? Yeah. What's your stock today? Uh, well, for, I have a question. Okay. If we win, what do we win? Like, if we get the most votes, <laughs> World do Series we win tickets. Something? World Series tickets. You wings. Baby Shark T-shirt and some wings. I don't want either of those things. <laughs> I do want to win though. Um, Okay, so my stock today is Planet Fitness. Uh, For those who aren't familiar, Planet Fitness is a franchise gym community with over 1,800 locations uh, throughout the U.S. and internationally. About 96% of those locations are franchise and 4% are corporate-owned. It's a pretty distinct brand. They're known for being the... um, the judgment-free zone, that's their slogan. And then they had a great commercial where there was the, just the man going, I lift things up and put them down and walked out. Don't know if anyone remembers that commercial, but I loved it. Um, and so the main way they make money, they have three different revenue streams. The first is because it's major majority franchised. Um, it's The first is royalties, so they get 7% of the money that the franchisees make. The second revenue stream is they actually, um, every franchisee is required to buy the equipment from Planet Fitness, so they have to buy it and then replace it every five to seven years. So that's a secondary revenue stream. And so if there's a slowdown in store openings, that will still um, generate cash for the company. And the third is they do have that 4% of uh, corporate-owned stores that they own and operate, and that's their third revenue stream. I think their competitive position is uh, they're low-cost, high-value. Um, they have it's $10 a month. Um, for their regular membership, and then $22 a month for their black card membership, which is increasing in popularity. So their black card membership is now over 60% of their customers. And so it's at that low price point, but you get a good gym, it's big, you have all of the things you need. Um, and then it is at that lower price point. So if you don't pay, if you don't go to the gym that month, you say, oh, well, maybe I'll, I'll pay for next month and maybe I'll go. If it was a super expensive gym, you might be like, well, I didn't go one month. I can't afford to go to pay for a place I'm not going to, whereas it doesn't have that problem at Planet Fitness. And then the second thing that I really like about it is their strong brand. They're known as the Judgment Free Zone. They're known for their bright purple and yellow equipment. Um, it's a non-intimidating environment, so it's for people who have never been to a gym before and just want to get healthy because it's good for you. They don't necessarily want to be uh, exercise fiends. They just want to run on the treadmill because their doctor told them they had to and then go home and take a nap. Like it doesn't have to be an intense lifestyle choice. Um, and then the franchise model, like TJ said before, it's uh, a little less risky and it's a good um, it's a good model for a business to have. Uh, I think 
just some exciting things um, I want to look for in their next conference call or things that I've noticed recently that I think are exciting. Um, they're opening Planet Fitness and Kohl's are doing uh, a little agreement. So there's going to be... The department store? Yeah, the department okay. store. So um, there's going to be five Planet Fitness Kohl's like mishmashes uh, by the end of 2019. So it'll be a Kohl's store and a Planet Fitness attached to it. So most of the planet people who go to Planet Fitness are will combine it with other activities. And so in the time when brick and mortar is hurting, people will go out of their house to go to the gym. So they're actually really attractive to um, the the REITs and the people who are renting out the spaces of the landlords. Um, so Planet Fitness is a tenant that a lot of people want because it drives, it consistently has foot traffic um, in a time where brick and mortar is hurting. That's really attractive for them. So I'm excited to see how that works out for them. They also did something over the summer called the Teen Summer Challenge where any teenager between the ages of 14 and 18 was able to join Planet Fitness for free. And they actually had over 900,000 teens sign up for the Teen Summer Challenge um, so their next conference call, hopefully, we'll get some color on how many people then converted and some more metrics around that. But I think that's exciting. They have an app opening. Um, so I'm excited about that. And then the last thing I wanted to highlight is I think Planet Fitness is really unique because uh, I think they have a pretty big total addressable market in the sense of when you think about other fitness companies, if you're thinking about somebody like Peloton, the people that can afford Peloton bike, that's a pretty niche part of the population. Whereas Planet Fitness isn't looking to um, compete for that 20% of the Americans that already go to the gym. They're not trying to compete with Peloton and SoulCycle and all those other kind of higher brow boutique fitness studios. Planet Fitness is looking in the exact opposite direction um, with the 80% of the population who just doesn't go to the gym at all and seeing that as their opportunity, which I think is pretty unique. Um, and they actually... The Global Wellness Institute just came out with their yearly report, um, and the global physical activity economy was $828 billion in 2019, 2018. Um, and so $109 billion of that was fitness spending. And so there's a pretty big addressable market just for people. Um, that is globally, so it's obviously smaller than that. But um, for people who are spending money in fitness, this is a pretty big opportunity. And the average person in America spends $1,345 a year on some sort of fitness-related activity, which is much higher than uh, the global average, which I thought was also interesting because that is lower than the price point that most of those boutique fitness studios allow. And that's that's all fitness, so that's including new sneakers and new sports teams, leagues that you join and stuff. So um, I think Planet Fitness is a really attractive opportunity. So thank you. The end. <laughs> <laughs> vote Planet Fitness. <laughs> a vote for Planet Fitness is a vote for health. Unlike wings. <laughs> you know, you have some wings and then you go to Planet right? Fitness to, to reduce Planet the Fitness Planet Fitness does um, pizza free pizza. Free Tuesdays. pizza and yeah. bagels. Yeah, they do. Oh, what? They're yeah. going for the eighty percent of the population right? who does not go to the gym. Put those calories right back. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's funny because I think like How about the, Wing Wednesday at Planet Fitness. There you go. Partnership. All of the machines are just covered in sauce. <laughs> People like eating wings and then going on the. I love it. Um, oh, the habanero. <laughs> touch something that. Oh. Um, so yeah, I think with gyms, man, that is so tough, right? Because we all have really good intentions in January, and then come January 15, we're like, never mind, I'm tired. So how, like, how are they, how do they do it 
when where other gyms have to like have failed in the past or you know the industries of like well you really should be doing this even though we don't always want to um, well, I think it's great. Well, first of all, there's that low price point. So $10 a month is pretty affordable for a lot of people. So um, having that kind of motivation of, well, I am paying $10. So I'm not, it's not free. So I'm not, I can't just ignore it. Like I am paying some money for it, but it's not so much money that if I don't go one month, I just completely am off the bandwagon, whatever. And I think because they have that non intimidating environment, I. I go to SoulCycle. I love SoulCycle. Mm-hmm. But SoulCycle is intimidating. Like, I couldn't go to SoulCycle when I had just started working out because I knew I wouldn't be able to keep up. And it was really, it's a very hard environment if you're new to fitness. And I think I started going to a Planet Fitness in high school. And it was just everyone looked like everyone. It was all, it was like such a range of people who go there. So I think their environment is a really good advantage for them. And the fact that they have pre per, free personal training so people can teach you how to use the machines. If you've literally never stepped foot into a gym before, it's a really welcoming environment. Um, and so I think that, and as people realize more and more how important it is just to move your body in any capacity, you don't have to be a total gym rat that goes six times a week for seven hours, just going... <laughs> Three times a week for a half an hour is so good for your heart. And just as people find that more and more important, spending $10 a month and just not going super frequently, I think that's a model that most gyms don't um, don't utilize. So I think that's probably their kind of unique awesome. story. Thanks. And what is your foolish investing principle that you wanted to highlight today? Um, my foolish investing principle, and I touched on this a little bit, is I think a lot about the total addressable market, um, thinking about where a company can fulfill, like where is their money coming from if it's a really cool um, business idea, but it just doesn't, there's no need for it or no want for it that just isn't going to be profitable. So uh, I hadn't really thought about that or really quantified an addressable market other than being like, it sounds big. Mm-hmm. Um, but b- thinking about going through census data and going through statistics and stuff and figuring out, well, how many people can this company potentially serve and how is it going to serve them? Like, what is their path to growth? Um, was something I learned a lot in IDP and learning just how to think it through in kind of a uh, logical manner was really exciting for me. I liked it a lot. I like numbers. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. All right, Tom, you want to bring us home? Yeah. So I just want to start off by warning the growth investors here that the company I'm about to pitch is actually profitable. So (laughs) if you're not interested in profits, then please close your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they've they've heard me uh, rhapsodize about this company so many times. So if you hear me like choking, you know it's because one of them has uh, (laughs) got their hands around my throat. (laughs) So this is uh, Constellation Software. Um, it is a, a Canadian-based business. Basically, what it does is it acquires um, small software companies that generally have, generally have a small number of employees, like generally not more than 150 or so. Um, and these software companies that it acquires are what they call vertical market software operators. So they create software that operates in a or provides a solution in a unique niche verticals. So something like um, the software which schedules trains in a transit system, for example. So it's that kind of technology has um, uh, is very sticky in the sense that the users of that technology, once you're trained up on how to use it, it's integrated into your system, integrated with the hardware, etc. You're not going to want to change it unless you really have to. So it's very sticky in that sense. Um, it's an Obviously, software is an is an asset light business. So, um, so Constellation, as the owner of all these asset light businesses, generates um, a lot of cash 
from pretty small amounts of investment. So that's basically the business model and how it makes money. Um, it's got very high returns on invested capital. So um, the cash that it spins off from the money that it invests is very high. Um, that ranges between 24% and 38% over the past um, 10 years. So that's a very impressive number. Um, you know, you also got, uh, I have a lot of. Um, respect for the management team there I really enjoy it's genuine it's really one of those companies where you read the communication from the executives and you generally genuinely feel like they're trying to help you understand the business they're not trying to promote it or sell it or uh, make themselves look good they're genuinely telling you everything um, the truth and in an honest way and I really appreciate that it helped it it saves you a lot of stress and having to kind of second guess them all the time so um yeah that is i'll stop there um i could go on and say a lot more things but um yeah so that is my that is my recommendation and is our companies like this um like what you gravitate toward like tech companies and um because for me like i shop at etsy i eat food and wings and I know what it's like to go to a gym but I don't have any understanding of a software company or a tech company is this a space where you're like yeah I got this or it's like eh, I know a little bit but I really like this company no I don't I don't I don't I don't consider myself a tech guy at all um, this is a business which earns very high returns on invested capital and whether this was a tech business or a steel making business I would still be interested but um, it just happens to be in tech, and um, yeah, that's all there is. And you to said it. it's Canadian. It's headquartered in Canada. Canada, yeah. Canada. Canada. <laughs> Canada. But uh, most of the businesses it owns are actually in the U.S. Oh, so it trades on in the. It trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Oh. But it, it has a. Um, it ha- it is on the Nasdaq on the over the counter market. Yeah. Okay. Well, they they poach the the great tech from the United States and they take it over to Canada. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's fair. TJ, what do you call Canada? Oh, no. no. <laughs> I, I, hey, I love Canadians. I have family there, Canadians. They're they're great great people. <laughs> We'll leave it there. I don't need to get any hay mail for whatever you might say next. Um, and so what is the investing principle that you wanted to bring today? I, I just wanted to highlight a return on invested capital is something you should really focus on as investors, as, as we should we should focus on. It basically answers the question, um, you know, what, what bang am I getting for my buck? Um, what am I spending? What am I getting in return? And it captures a lot of important information um, in a single metric, and it's very hard to manipulate if if calculated correctly. Um, so it, yeah, it's I um, I think it's a, a number that tends to get ignored in s- at certain times of the market, like um, when it's particularly bullish, like now. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's, it's very your favorite. It's your favorite number. It's my favorite number. <laughs> 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 yes. yeah. All right, wonderful. All right, so there we have it. We have Etsy. We have Wingstop, and Etsy is E-T-S-Y? Is that their ticker? Yes, it's exactly. Uh, Wingstop, I want it to be W-I-N-G, but it probably isn't, is it? It is. Ah, that's so great! (laughs) And then Planet Fitness, their ticker is? P-L-N-T. And we have Constellation Software, their ticker on the Toronto Exchange is? C-S-U. 
CSU. So there we go. Thank you guys so much for bringing these stocks and these foolish investing principles today. Now it's your turn, listeners, to vote for the stock that you think was the best. I don't know. Are they voting on which stock they want to invest on or which pitch was the best? How do we want to decide that? I would say which pitch was the best. Okay. Right? All right. Vote for the best pitch. Um, or the best stock. You know what? I don't care. Nothing we do here is scientific. <laughs> Just vote for the best. Just vote for the best. Uh, I'm going to post uh, something on our Twitter account, and then I'll also uh, post something to the Motley Fool podcast group on Facebook. So keep an eye out for that, uh, for your chance to vote on the winner. And again, they don't win anything other than bragging rights, but I think that's enough. That's enough. I think that's enough for them. Also, if you're looking for more stock ideas and recommendations, you can check out our Stock Advisor service. You'll get stock recommendations from David and Tom Gardner every month, Best Buys Now, and a whole lot more. Just go to saoffer.com. Fool.com, and we've got a special 50% discount for our listeners. Again, check it out at saoffer.fool.com. Do you mind sticking around and um, having even more competition by playing a game? Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Okay. Yeah. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Motley Fool Answers. Hiring isn't as simple as putting an ad in the paper or posting to a job board. When you're juggling hiring and everything it takes to grow your business, it's important that you reach the right candidates at the right time. Bro, did you know that we use LinkedIn here at The Motley Fool to source and hire new fools? Oh, I believe I did. You did, because I've talked about it before on the show, how I uh, checked in with our recruiting team, and they enjoy using LinkedIn jobs for connecting us to the right candidates. Over 600 million members visit LinkedIn to make connections, learn, and grow as professionals and discover new job opportunities. That's how they make sure your job post gets in front of people with the right hard skills and soft skills to meet your role requirements. Things like collaboration, work ethic, adaptability. LinkedIn does the legwork to match you to the most qualified candidates so you can focus on hiring the person who will transform your business. And more than 35 million job seekers visit LinkedIn jobs every month. To get $50 off your first job post, go to linkedin.com slash fool. Again, that's linkedin.com slash fool to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Play the game. Everybody play the game. All right, it's time for a game. So here at The Motley Fool, we have a chief collaboration officer named Todd Edder, and he creates some pretty cool games for us to play. Uh, And this is one that I stole from him that he... Uh, created for Full Fest. So if anyone was at Full Fest and played this, you're going to have a leg up. No? Mm-mm. Great. All right. So how this works is they're kind of like puns or dad jokes. So uh, I'm going to give you a clue, and then you are going to come up with uh, the answer is the name of a company, but with one letter changed. So for example, if I say, what electronics chain is known for their blue-shirted employees and their contest to see who has the best rear in the UK? The answer is Best Bum. Because so best it is buy. Best Buy, but with one letter Okay, because I got Best Buy, and then I was like, I don't get Exactly, okay. so Best Bum. Sorry. That's okay. Todd's <laughs> games are always fiendishly difficult. They are fiendishly difficult. Right. So, and you each have a... terrible <laughs> It's okay, and I can give you clues too. So I can also, if you guys don't get it immediately, I can tell you how many letter, how many letters. Um, most of these are two words. All right, are you ready? So here we go. 
Previously famous for telegrams, what company does electronic wire transfers of Vidalia's... Oh, all right, TJ. Western Union. But what is the fake company that does wire transfers of Vidalia's shallots and scallions? What is the company with one letter changed? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Let me continue. Okay. Western <laughs> Onion. There we go. Oh, nice job. <laughs> I have a pun thinking brain. Here we go. Oh. And you, do you like Bloomin' Onions, by the way? Just quick. Quick aside, Bloomin' Onion, yes or no? How can you I've not? never had one? I don't know. How can you oh, not? Oh, no. Bloomin' Onion. What is it? It's a basically an, a massive onion ring, but it's an onion also. Isn't it deep fried? It's, oh, you know it's deep fried. Amen. <laughs> I can't say I've ever had one, but it sounds like I would like it. They haven't met Planet Fitness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do. All right, next one. What used auto retailer will help you pave your driveway? I, can think of the I know the business. I, I can't. So you just got to change one letter. What used auto retailer will help you pave your driveway? What substance do you use to help pave a driveway? You've got gravel and Tomac. cement. There we go. Tomac? Oh, close. As in close. Carmax. Tarmax. Tarmax. There See, T got an R. I thought it was Carmax, oh, so I thought Carmax was two <laughs> words. And then you said that, and I was like, oh, no, it's no, not it's Carmax. Not. It's smushed together. That's confusing. This is all a right. clever game. I know, I know. This is why we rely on Todd. So I'm going to give that one to you, Ari. All right. What global aerospace and defense company develops giant 10-foot fish with a spear-like snout and a long, rigid dorsal fin? Boeing? You have to buzz in, but no. (laughs) (laughs) We're going for the fictitious company, so that is one letter off from a real company. Oh! Lockheed Marlin? Yes! Oh, nice. Nice. (laughs) There we go. That is good. That was a good one. All right. What company operates theme parks in Florida and California where people show off their paintball wound marks? What kind of a mark do you get after a paintball hits you? A bruise. Yeah, what kind? A welt. Oh, oh. Well, Disney. Disney. I got it. (laughs) So technically, Ari buzzed in first. I just Um, yelled it. You just yelled it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you win competitions in my family, is whoever's louder. (laughs) All right, next one. What pharmaceutical, this is one word. What pharmaceutical giant specializes in showing compassion and forgiveness? One word, five letters. Nicer. No, because oh. Pfizer for nice. Uh, you see, see, kind of see what the I was FZ was like one oh, okay, word, then mind. yeah, yeah but no. Can Let you me. give the hint again? Okay, so it's five letters. What pharmaceutical giant specializes in showing compassion and forgiveness? It's the last letter that's changed. How do you know the answers, bro? Because I just I'm, I'm <laughs> playing along, but not really playing. Do you want to hit my buzzer so you can get the point? Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Mercy. Yeah. Since it's my buzzer, do I get the point? Sure, why not? (laughs) All right. Known for film animation, what production company recently created the smashes Tine After Tine and Spoon and Me? Animation film company. Well, I know the company must be Pixar. Nope. It's not. I thought the company was Pixar. It's the other Mm. one. DreamWorks? Okay. They made the films Tine After Tine and Spoon and Me. Dreamforks? 
There we go. (laughs) TJ comes in with the company and I can turn it into the joke. (laughs) Teamwork. All right. This is one word. Five letters. What multinational delivery services company will send you a bovine that is obviously not hungry? What's a bovine? A cow. What? (laughs) Oh, Tom wants it to hit itself. Okay. All right. right. My contribution is FedEx. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't <laughs> get into the pun. Count. <laughs> yeah. Bro thinks he knows it. The pun? Yeah. FedEx. It's a cow. Do you want to? FedOx. There we go. Okay, two more. What designer? I wonder if like the listeners at home are screaming these at their <laughs> at their whatever their listening device. How did you get a job? You don't know anything. <laughs> it's fat okay. Don't worry, I'll edit it so that it sounds like you get their speed right dial in their Perfect, grandma. Thank you. <laughs> All right, last one. What designer and manufacturer of airplanes and rockets specializes in jeering during sports events? Booing. Hey! Oh, very nice. Well done. That one was immediate. <laughs> I'm going to edit that one. It seemed like it took longer. <laughs> no. <laughs> Got to give the listeners at home a little time to ponder it. What company makes routers and other networking equipment for dance clubs? It was all Disco. The- <laughs> there we go. Nice. Nice. Good work. Disco systems. That's right. Just took a little warming up. You guys. Yeah, now you're getting the hang of it. Typical Todd game where you're at first when you hear the directions, you're like, what? <laughs> and then eventually by the end of it, you're like, oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. So, yeah. So, thanks to Todd Edder for letting me steal this game. And thanks for you guys for playing. And in true form, I failed to keep track of who got the most answers. And so, there's no way. I had three. If you (laughs) hit my buzzer twice, I had six. Five. (laughs) Well, I think in the end, we're all winners. That's right. But it's really me. Everyone gets a nice way to put it. (laughs) You guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you coming in. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having us. Thank Thank you you for having us. Great time. Thank you. Bye. Go Nats. The show is edited developmentally by Rick Engdahl. Our email is answers at fool.com. Uh, again, don't forget to go head to Twitter and uh, find us on Answers Podcast or join the Motley Fool Podcast Facebook group to vote for the best, however you want to define it, to vote, to vote for the best stock or stock pitch or whatever. All right, for Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Stay foolish, everybody.